Welcome to This Club Sucks. Grief support for parents after the lasagnas are long gone. I am your host, Melissa Monroe, here with my co-host, Alexandria Simon. Each week, we record our child loss chat on Twitter Spaces, where we explore topics around grief and trauma. Whether you are a bereaved parent, want to support bereaved parents, or exploring other sources of grief, we'll be here holding space after the lasagnas are long gone. Welcome to Child Last Chat. Today, we will be discussing losing your only child. And our guest is Sheila Gibbons, who is a fellow SUDC, Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood parent, uh, along with Heather and I, and maybe some other people in this room. We can't see people in this room if uh, they're listening from their desktop. But I met Sheila through there, and she lost her only child, Nolan, when he was 15. Like my daughter, Alice, he went to sleep and didn't wake up. We're going to talk to her a little bit about the experience of losing your only child, and I know that there's other people in, in this space who have experienced that as well, and I look forward to holding space for you. So Sheila, do you want to do a little brief introduction of yourself? Sure. First, I'm, thanks so much for inviting me on. I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to talk today. My name is Sheila Gibbons. As you said, our only child, our only son, Nolan, passed in August of 2020 from SUDC, Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood. And we're about two years in on this grief journey, so still new. Certainly not an expert <laughs> on this topic other than, you know, I'm an expert on my own experience, I guess. But yeah, I'm not sure what else you want me to introduce myself. But I, again, Melissa, you were one of the first people I connected with early on. And I was so grateful for your support and guidance and um, just grateful to continue the conversation with you um, and hope that things are helpful and healing today. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I'm glad that you felt supported. It's so Mm. hard in the, I mean, it's hard forever, let's face it, but it's, it's really hard in the beginning Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we, as I think everyone in this room knows. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm so pleased that you felt supported in the beginning when it can just feel very isolating and like, you don't even know where the floor is. Yeah. Disorienting. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And especially, you know, when we don't have this answer, right, we don't have an explanation, nothing makes sense, right? You know, losing your child alone is something that doesn't make sense. But to not have a definitive reason why is even more disorienting. Although we do tell people when, when we have the SUDC classification, we do know what didn't happen, right? So we, we do know a lot. Yes, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Exclusion, so for, right. Yeah, for those of you that, you that aren't familiar with it, it's it's not like, it's not SIDS. But SIDS is right. if they're younger than one. Uh, SUDC is if they're older. They don't know the causes of, of any of them. There's probably more than one cause. Mm-hmm. And the causes for SIDS may or may not be similar to the causes of SUDC. Right. Uh, so, Sheila, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit 
about like what what is it that you wish other people knew about losing your only child and then I'm gonna mute uh, I know when when we you and I first talked about, I don't know a few weeks ago about this topic and asked me to do this I sat with it for a bit and I thought you know I think this aspect of my grief is something that I had really explored that much because it's so scary and terrifying and that you know early on as I met people who were also grieving or had lost a child we'd always get the question do you have any other children right and when I would say no you would hear sort of a terrified pause (laughs) in people's voices that they couldn't say the next thing they wanted to say which was you know, you have to live for your children or you, you, your other children need you. And it always struck me as something of, well, does that mean I don't have a purpose anymore that now that I'm no longer physically parenting a child? I mean, I've talked to other parents who question, you know, am I still a mother? And for, for me, I actually never, that question never entered my head. Yes, yes, I'm still Nolan's mother. I will always be Nolan's mother. I still, you know, want to be remembered on Mother's Day. But there is sort of an awkwardness for other people, I think, and and what to do. So there's that aspect of it. Then there's the aspects of, you know, who's going to take all my things, you know, when I'm gone. You know, the, what's going to happen to all my stuff? <laughs> Those things that you think you're going to pass down to your children. And But let's face it, our, our kids don't want our stuff anyway. Nobody wants Grandma's China, right? Take Florida Grandma's lot. China. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll send it over. Um, Thanks. <laughs> but the scarier thing, which I've really started kind of picking at in the last couple of weeks, which I need to, so I'm grateful for the sort of the, the push to do it, is what happens as we age. You know, there's me and my husband, and we don't have that sort of built-in, you know, healthcare proxy. You know, what what happens as we get older? And we need to have decisions made, or if we're, you know, unable to take care of ourselves, and, and you know, that's sort of scary. And, and so it's sort of forcing me to think about, well, how, how do we plan for this? I mean, there, there are people who are childless by choice that face these issues. So we've been kind of thrust into having to deal with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And But those things are, are the terrifying things, like, you know, not having him there holding my hand when I die, right? Yeah. The that's... only child that's a little bit different. And, we, and we're in a situation where, you know, we don't have grandchildren or stepchildren. And that sort of, you know, legacy piece. I'm also a, a, a genealogist. And looking at the family tree and knowing that my line has ended or, you know, Nolan was the only male Gibbons, right? So the, my husband's Y DNA ended, right? Because every, all the cousins are girls and so on. We have to go back many generations before there's another male Gibbons. And it's just those sort of things that you, that get added into, you know, normal grief that just make it a little more complicated. Yes. The, um, what you said about, you know, the legacy is, I think, so profound because it's so, I think for women in particular, and this is not to, you know, slight the men or non 
binary people, but in my experience of talking with bereaved parents, I think the women particularly are very thrown off by the legacy aspect of a child's death. Uh, All of that aspects of legacy where will the stuff go they didn't get to create their own legacy your son was a little bit older than mine and so you you got to see a glimpse perhaps of what he might do or what roads he might go down but we'll never know we'll we'll never know what our kids lives would have looked like we will we'll never know the impact that they could have had on the world and that is really, I I know for me, that was a huge part of what tripped me up in the beginning and why I ended up doing a lot of the things I did, the fundraisers and the, you know, all the things that I do, even this, all the things that I do in Alice's memory to try to make my corner of the world a little better. And I would imagine when it's your only child, that's just a thousand times more intense. Actually, this is a good time if you could talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you've done to to help his legacy, to create his legacy, and what you've done to sort of soothe those issues of legacy during your own grief path. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking that. So Nolan was a musician, singer, songwriter, a really prolific sort of, he, he was just sort of born understanding music in a way that most people seem not to. And he was constantly writing music, writing lyrics. Uh, it's just sort of what he did for fun and was really passionate about it and um, had sort of put in his 10,000 hours of work learning how to produce and record. And, you know, there wasn't an instrument he couldn't play. And he had been writing for a long time and, and, was getting ready to sort of release his music to the world. And we had, you know, encouraged him to delay doing that while he was younger because he needed to, you know, sort of grow up and let his outsides kind of catch up with his insides. And so he had a, a ton of music that he had written part, part, you know, had recorded some. He had just recorded his first single and was getting ready to release it. He was so excited. He had just turned 15 and he was like, that's it. I'm going to put my music out into the world and had set his first song to go live on September 2nd of 2020. Um, and then he passed two weeks before. So he, he missed the first, um, he missed it. He missed his first song going live. And so there were two songs that he had completely finished. And we, my husband and I um, agreed to continue putting his music out there. And so over the last few years, we've sort of gone through his laptop, looked through his phone, tried to find anything that he had done and and debated, you know, do we put these things out unfinished? Do we try to see if somebody else can help us finish them? And we decided to kind of just release music sort of as completed as they were. We know that he would have done more with these songs, but, and our feeling was that his purpose in writing music was he wanted to he he wanted people to not feel alone he he was very much about connection and understanding and empathy and his feeling was that he wanted people to listen to his music and feel understood or feel seen and so we've 
slowly released stuff. I think we have one more song with his voice on it um, that's going to come out later this year. And, you know, people are listening to it all, you know, all around the world. And, and his feeling was like, you know, if there's one person who's in Indonesia who listens to my song and they, they feel less alone, that's a win. And so, you know, Warren and I are, we're still his parents, right? We're still going to put his music out, you know, send out his messages of, of love and understanding. And also he wasn't afraid to really explore some, uh, you know, issues of sadness or issues of anger. And he had written down once that he said he wants people to hear his music and have an experience. And so, you know, as his mom, I, I want what he wanted for him, right? So, so we've been putting out his music, and then we have other music that he had written and recorded but never recorded his vocals. So we're looking into possibly having other people sing. So there's that piece of his legacy. And then the other thing we did was we founded the Nolan Gibbons Memorial Fund. And this came about because Nolan had died during COVID. We couldn't really have a funeral or have the have the um, you know, memorial service that we really wanted for him in August of 2020. And so July of 21 would have been his 16th birthday. And it was really hard for me to think about his 16th birthday coming and not having a big party because we would have had a big party for him. And so we decided to host a public outdoor concert that was, you know, part memorial service, part birthday party, part, you know, let's get together and perform because um, a lot of his friends were singers, um, theater people, and people hadn't been on stage for you know two years because of COVID. And so we had this really beautiful, magical event where you know people came and sang and talked about him and shared memories. There was lots of crying and laughing, and and it was such a beautiful event that we decided we want to do this every year. So we started the Nolan Gibbons Memorial Fund, and our goal is to raise money to support kids like Nolan, right? So kids who are singer-songwriters or theater kids who need a little extra help. They want to, you know, take a, a class, a course. They need vocal lessons. They need equipment for a home studio, a laptop, or a MIDI keyboard, or a, a new guitar, or a microphone, something like that. And so that we can then continue to support kids like him, right? Those kids who are, are creative and sensitive and, and want to share music in the world. And so we feel like that's a great legacy for him. Um, and so we had Nolan Fest again this year, which was less memorial service and more, you know, music festival. And it was great. And we, we raised some money and we're going to be working on getting grants out over the next several months um, and hope that some of the grant recipients will come and perform at Nolan Fest next year. And so those are ways that we're, we're constantly keeping him with us, right? We, we, we're keeping him and his music alive and it helps us heal, right? It helps us talk about him. You know, he, we always say he was our favorite topic of conversation before. <laughs> so why would that change now? And, and it's just ways to, to, yeah, to keep him, keep him with us every day, you know? Oh, thank you for that, Sheila. One of our listeners who lost his wife and son in an accident many years ago has a question. I see that Sheila is married. I'm curious how her husband is handling and dealing with the loss of a child. I've attended many of these spaces and rarely see any men present talking. I'm just curious how men handle the loss of a child and if they handle it differently than their wives, girlfriends, significant others. 
And I wonder if you have anything to say about that. I have a lot to say about that. Thanks so much for that question. And I don't know if Warren's on. I know he was going to try to pop on the call. He's so down there. I, I don't know if he wants to speak to this, but I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. And then if Warren requests to speak, but you know, fortunately, Warren and I grieve very s in similar ways. And he's very involved in a dad support group with a, with a group called Helping Parents Heal. There's a subgroup within that called Helping Fathers Heal because of exactly what you just said, that there's so few dads, uh, even all support groups that we've gone to, it's, you know, 80%, if not more, moms, and that dads do grieve differently and they need each other. They, they really, men, dads really need each other. They need to have a space I think, without um, their wives there to grieve and say the things they want to say and give support in ways that's really beautiful. We just attended the Helping Parents Heal conference that was in Arizona in August. And I have to say one of my favorite things about this conference where there were 900 parents um, who'd lost children. But one of my favorite thing was watching the, the men together, this beautiful bonding, they're so loving and kind and they're all at the bar and, and supporting each other and then they're laughing and then they're crying and it's just it really sort of fills my heart that they do this and and it's so 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 needed and again i i think warren's on i don't know if he wanted to say anything yes warren can, welcome can you hear me hi honey hi. <laughs> we, we just uh threw you to the wolves i know sorry <laughs> right. i didn't give you a heads up hon okay. <laughs> yes if the if you could provide a little color for our our male listener who was wondering how you might grieve and handle it differently than your wife okay yeah i thanks to sheila <laughs> as many men I'm learning, you know, Sheila encouraged me to, to get help. She helped me get a therapist, although you were trying to get me a, get a therapist for years. But Sheila found the, the dad's group, and it's just a unique place. Like, I guess, you know, men and women were different, <laughs> stating the obvious. So why would we grieve the same? And, of course, there are a lot of similarities, but... Like our founder, Mike Edwards, who created the group, he was noticing going to other groups, noticing how few men were in the groups, and it was mostly women, and that the men who were in those groups weren't, he didn't feel as comfortable sharing. And hence, this group was created, and it's just dads. And it's amazing how you know, the whole rainbow of humanity is there, the only filter that's brought us there is that we've lost a child. So any kind of politics or religion or worldview or, I mean, pick a flavor, it's there. And yet there is, I was just talking to another dad today, there's no, there's no othering, there's no judgment. There's just an unconditional love because what the place is for is for, you know, grief support. Um, so, so we swear plenty the people who swear I could be a potty mouth. So I was, um, when the time is right on and then, um, and there are dads who don't, and that's fine too. Lots of stories. Oftentimes we'll, um, we, we, we have dad jokes at the end of the call and there's just a lot of room for anybody to be lost and confused and scared and just actually say those things out loud. I think that's, what's very unique because the way we've met each other is, 
You know, I would say we met in a foxhole at the gates of Mordor, you know, like, so the way we get to know each other is just so vulnerable. I don't know. Sheila has heard me talk about it a lot. I don't know if I'm explaining it right, honey. No, that's, that's really helpful. And you're doing uh, great. <laughs> that's really helpful. And uh, Mr. JB, if you have further questions, you feel free to request the mic and you can ask them or sh shoot a note in the chat and we'll, we'll ask for you. In the meantime, our listener, Steve, hi, Steve, has a question and something to add. Hello. How's everyone doing today? Uh, my name is Steve. I lost my daughter, Allie, in September of 2018. It was three days before her second birthday. Yeah, I want to add that just men and women just grieve differently. And like you explained before, this is my space where she doesn't come. In our family, I'm the one that kind of is more involved with the SUDC Foundation. For, for her, just she feels like she's not really moved, I don't know, moved on, but just seeing seeing the topic over and over again brings her back. So I want to add, yeah, I think men, a lot of men tend to bottle things up. They don't want to face things. And I learned, the best lesson I learned in the beginning was exposure over avoidance. So the, the triggers that would, things that would trigger me I tried to just face them as much as I could early on because I know that later on they don't hurt as much. The more you're, the more you see things over and over again, the less it hurts eventually. So I think the more, the more that we let it out and just know that I know typical male from years ago, you, you can never show that you're weak. You can never show that. That's all BS. Just let it out. The more you let it out, the more you face your triggers, the easier it becomes. And I, yeah, I just think a lot of dads ignore the feelings and eventually it's all going to come out in the form of anger or tears or whatever. So as another dad, I'm here to support any dads as well. So if we could always talk on here or anywhere, I'm always available. And I want to say it was weird that, that you mentioned all the music my daughter was only two. But I could just, I had that feeling. I could tell she was going to be musically inclined. I don't know why. She just, she always picked up beats and like would name that tune after like two or three notes. And I just knew she was going to be musically, <laughs> musically inclined. Um, is there any, where we can listen to any of these songs? I would love to. If there's any link or anything, I would love to hear some of this music. There's Aww. several, there's several links in the, in the chat. And it up in the nest, Steve. But if you go to the little chat bubble at the bottom, I think all of the links are in the chat bubble. And he's like, no, Nolan is no joke. Like, <laughs> he's no joke. Insanely talented. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for sharing his music, Melissa. It's it's really important. And and when you say you do. Steve, that she was musical at two. That's not crazy at all. We, we knew Nolan early, early, early on. Just music just came out of this kid. He was singing, he was dancing, and, you know, would hit drums, like, on the beat. 
Um, and he actually um, was not just a singer, but he was also he was also a beatboxer for Acapop Kids. And so all those things were definitely there early. We we knew early on that he was a musical kid, for sure. So it's not crazy to think that she was showing that at two. And then the other thing I wanted to say was uh, when you talk about letting out feelings, <clears throat> it's one thing Warren and I both early on. And again, we're we're lucky because we grieve so similarly. We know other couples that don't, that causes some conflict. But for us, we felt like whatever we were feeling, that's what we were going with, right? We, you know, I just, okay, today's a day that I'm going to cry or scream today. Or other days where I'm like, all right, I feel like I can function. I'm going to go with that. Um, but I, we never tried to limit each other's feelings, you know, or try to shut the other one down if they were expressing something. Um, and it's so, so, I believe, at least for me, I guess I can only speak from my own experience. It's so important to get, try to get grief. If it wants to come out of the body, it's got to come out. It's going to, it's going to come out. And so to, to do it in the moment for me, I think is essential to trying to heal as best we can with this. I just wanted to add that. Thank you so much, Sheila, for adding that. I just wanted to add to what Steve said. I was definitely a dive right in kind of person. I'm a healthcare provider. So part of it was that I intellectually knew. And there was very little I intellectually knew. Those of you who know my story know that I had moments where I was standing in the hallway not knowing why I was in the hallway only to leave the hallway and remember, oh, I, I had to go to the bathroom. I mean, I forgot I had to go to the bathroom on my way to the bathroom. So intellectually, I was not all there by any stretch of the imagination. But I did know intellectually that it's better to deal with it sooner than later. But I also, it just felt so overpowering for me that I knew, like I knew in my guts it became so crystal clear to me that trying to freeze it out or go around it or go under it or ignore it was just going to make it a billion times worse. And by the way, this is no indictment on people who have, uh, who have utilized those tools in their grief journey. There's no judgment. I just, I literally felt like the feelings were going to kill me. And I knew that that wasn't going to, get any better for me. So I kind of, I did all of, you know, I did EMDR right away. I did all the intention right away because it felt like I was crippled with guilt. As many of you know, it felt like the guilt was literally going to kill me. And so I, I, in that way, I kind of was more like Steve was describing, but yeah, so, and I also wanted to address a point. You, we keep saying that men and women grieve differently. Absolutely. And let's not forget, every individual human being grieves different deaths differently. And every individual human being grieves a death differently at any given time. So if an individual is grieving different deaths differently and grieving a certain death differently every five minutes expecting two people or more people to grieve the same way for eternity is 
just ridiculous. It can't happen. That said, in the moment, if you're trying to live with this person, it can be really difficult if you're really grieving much, much differently. And then that requires a lot of attention and, and talking and figuring out how you're going to handle it. Because most of us can't, most of us don't have really a lot of control on how the grief process is taking place in the beginning. I mean, do you agree? It's just, it's happening or it's not happening. It's very instinctual in, in the beginning. As you go through the years and you have talks and maybe you go to therapy and you meet other bereaved parents, maybe some executive functioning starts taking place and, and some plans about your grief process start to develop. But in the beginning, it's just raw. And so, yes, men and women grieve differently, but we all even individually grieve different deaths differently and grieve the same death differently every five minutes. So, yes, that's just a long way of saying that. Mr. JB, did you have any other questions for the for the fellas? I don't actually have questions, but being in the space with Stephen and Warren is a, a, a very new thing for me. I'm going to pose this, I'm going to make this proposal to the two of them if they have the time and the mindset to get together with me and we host a space periodically for men who are trying to deal with this loss. Not exclusively for the men, it can include the wives, the spouses, significant others as well. But I had to deal with my grief. I was extremely angry, mad at the world. I had to find a way to channel that anger. And I don't speak about this because I hate crying in public and private. And I don't know why today it's uncontrollable, but I had to find a way to not hurt myself, not hurt anybody else, because I was angry. I was mad at the world for losing the two people who meant the most to me. I had to deal with guilt, lots of guilt. I had to deal with even the guilt of missing my wife more than my son. That's something people don't talk about a lot if you lose two people at the same time. So I'm just posing this question that these two gentlemen could think about at some point in the future, we start hosting spaces for men who might need a place to, to do what the ladies seem to be able to do so easily. So I would love that. I mean, I can't guarantee, just like this one, I can't guarantee I'm here every week. But for as, as, when I can make it, I'll be there. And likewise, any, anything I can do to help, I'm happy to. Oh, my God. I love this. You guys can connect through by following each other. This is really, this is maybe my favorite thing that's ever happened on the show. And I'm about to cry. It, it's beautiful. And in the meantime, Mr. JB, if if you've got some trouble getting it going as a weekly thing, I would be more than happy to host a, a, a men's show and just sit back and do what 
Dr. A does for me, which is make sure the trolls don't come in and post the articles and, and let you fellas take the floor is another thing that we can do if it seems like it might be something that's difficult to do regularly. I'm happy to give this platform over to the fellas any time. Just let me know whatever I can do to help. I think it's really, really important. There's A, less resources with men. And uh, Rachel does a sex abuse chat on Tuesdays. And even in that aspect of mental health, men are less likely to even admit it to themselves, much less seek help, much less do it publicly, much less go to a group. And so anything that I can do to be a part of making that happen more often, I'm, I'm here for it. Does anyone have a question or a comment for, for Sheila about losing an only child or I, I know there are a couple people in here that have lost only children. If not, I definitely have another question, which is what did you and or Warren use as your motivation to get up, go to work? Just what, what was your motivation? I know for me, my, my main motivation was my, my surviving daughter. And so I'm not sure... Now, I, Sheila and I have talked about this. I, w- I was sure before I ever lost children, I was sure even before I had children that if I lost a child, I would die. And then I had children, and I was convinced that if I lost a child, I would die. And then I lost a child, and I am here, and I didn't die. But I know for me, one of my main motivations was my surviving daughter, and I just wonder what my motivation might have been if I didn't have her. And I I know that Sheila and Lupe and Mr. JB all could speak to this, but Sheila, if you could get that conversation. Two two points that I want to make um, about this particular topic. Um, One is the easier, I think, easier answer. And is that, I, I, first of all, I completely agree with you. I always thought, like, you know, if something happened to Nolan, I would absolutely die. There's no question that I would absolutely die. And that, you know, the day that this happened and our family was here, my sister went to my medicine cabinet and cleaned out everything. And I told her, I'm like, there are drugs in my cabinet that need to not be in the house because I don't trust myself to end my life, right? That that pain of just wanting to join them is so strong in the beginning. And that... The other was that I would never, I knew how wrecked I was, that I would never do that, anything. I wouldn't, for Warren, my husband, right? So it's just the two of us now. And being in a space where I would just not, uh, you know, to, to get up and, and go on for for him and for us and for, and for Nolan, right? And to still, like... Like I said before, I, I'm still his mother. There's still a legacy that he he still has a voice that needs to be heard and told. But the other piece, I had connected with um, another mom who had lost a son. And we didn't really know each other. We were just sort of chatting. And she asked me the question, do you have any other children? And I said no. And I, she didn't have that awkward pause. What she said to me, and she's, I think, if I recall, 
much further down, 15 years or so since she lost her, her oldest son. She said, Sheila, people will tell you to live for your other children or live for your spouse or your friends or your siblings. And, but she said, your life has value. And she said it in such a way that just, it, it didn't occur to me. <laughs> and it was the, one of the kindest, most loving things someone had said, a total stranger, really, that she's like, you may not know why yet. She's like, but you have value for yourself, that I have, my life has value for me. And I've worked on trying to live up to that. I'm working towards it. I don't know if I'm 100% there. But I felt like it was such an important thing to say to those of us who are grieving and we want to join our children and not be here another moment that, you know, we each have our own value just because we're here, just because we're us, ourselves, right? Yeah, I think that's, those are the two things I wanted to mention. That's beautiful and mm. uh, so, so insightful. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, that's one of those electric shock moments, I would imagine, yes. where you're like, whoa. Uh, yes. You're right. Whoa is the, whoa is yeah. the right <laughs> word. Yeah. The, wow. It was more like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> right, right. I Damn it. I pull it Damn together. It. And don't get me wrong, there were many, many times early on where I'm like, how can I get out of this without completely destroying the people who love me? How can I end my misery, my suffering? quickly and painlessly without completely destroying the people who love me. Um, and the answer was, I can't, can't, it can't be nope. done, cannot be done. Yeah. And, um, you know, there'd be moments early on. I, I don't know if you, you did this, Melissa, with um, your other daughter, but I mean, Warren and I would, you know, check on each other to make sure we're breathing, right? Are you still breathing? Are you still alive? Like things like the, the PTSD of like constantly checking on, you know, checking on my cats to make sure they haven't died in the middle of the night, you know, all that sort of panic. Um, and so for that, you know, uh, it's just, we can't exit the scene, right? We just can't. Um, there, there's too many, there's too much value in each of us to do that no matter how painful this is, which is why groups like this are so important. And I'm, I'm so excited that the dads are connecting because it's um, grief so isolating. It's so isolating. And we just feel alone in this. And we are not. There's so many of us, unfortunately, that are in this shitty club, as you say, that we need each other. We need our tribe. We really do. Yes, we do, indeed. Um, Lupe, I, did, you, did you have a question, Lupe, or a comment? I, I did. Actually, hi, everybody. Um, uh, I was really happy to hear this particular subject was going to be speaking on, you guys were going to speak on. Um, yeah, so I was wanted to speak to uh, the only child versus the other, you know, having other children and losing one or two or, or you know, however that may be, but... Um, I lost my only child, and he was 13, and it was in 2007, May 17th of 2007. Um, I lived for him. He was, he was my whole world. I mean, he played every sport. I mean, we just kind of had a rule. You had to be in two things all year round. You could choose what they are, and you don't get to quit. 
we don't have to go back the next year, but you don't get to quit. Anyway, so my whole world revolved around him. And so when, when he died, um, he was hit by a gravel truck on his bicycle. Um, the guy blew a stop sign. But so when he died, my whole world stopped. And I had other parents coming to me from bereaved group um, uh, parents that were in Park Ridge area, it was in Park Ridge, Illinois. I just wasn't ready for it. It was too many people, too fast. I just was too distraught. So, you know, I try not to rush anybody that's gotten that's so fresh and they can't deal with it. But, you know, I was so also angry for a long time. Like, you know, I know you lost a child, but at least you've got something to keep living for. You have other children. And my life was pretty much over. There's no grandchildren coming. There's none of that stuff. It's over as far as that goes. But now having time gone by and seeing, you know, realizing everyone's pain is their own. And it means everything. It, it's just as painful as my pain feels to me. You know, it is to them. But, you know, as time has gone by and I've seen these things, what I have realized is I wouldn't want to be in your shoes that have other children, mainly because while it was hard for me to find a reason to get up, I didn't want to get up. I wouldn't get up. And it, it took everything in the world for me to learn to say, you know, when I go to bed, I hope I don't wake up in the morning. It took just up to a few years ago where I decided to, I woke up and just didn't say, damn it, I woke up again. Um, but I don't know how you guys do it. With I had a dog to tend to, my son's dog. That's it. Um, and my family helped with that. So you know, I just commend you guys. And I used to think at least you have that other child or two other children. You'll have grandchildren. But in all those children, you're going to see the one that you lost. And so I just uh, want you to know, don't ever think that just because I've lost my only child or other people have their only child that their pain's any more than yours, because it's not. Um, we just all suffer in different ways, a whole bunch of different ways. <laughs> but I'm just now coming up for air, and I'm still struggling. But yeah, keep going, keep fighting. One had said that in our lives, they do matter. Our very own reasons for being here. Our own, you know, we had dreams and things before we had children. So life mattered then, and it matters now. But I do still struggle. But thank you guys, and I do have doctor appointment I'm going to. So um, I followed everybody in the room, and I hope to talk more with you all soon. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank thank you so much, Lupe, for sharing that. That was beautiful. And Lupe runs a really wonderful and supportive Twitter bereaved parents group that you know it's just in the email chats, and we check in on each other most days. And you know, if you're not able to, no no one gets upset <laughs> uh, that she's, she does a lot of great work for bereaved parents that we really appreciate. And I know that some of the other people in this room really appreciate if you're interested in finding out more about it, I'm sure you can reach out to uh, Lupe, who's up there as Nonya Biz. Nonya Biz, that's correct. And um, yeah, please reach out. And I have, there's men in there as, as well as women, but yeah, and, and losses of all kinds. And I've learned a lot from this group because of that. And so please don't be shy. My um, at is LSD, LSD 122070. The LSD is not a drug. That's probably what it stands for, is the 
LSD drug. It actually stands for Loopy Sammy and Diane. Well, damn it. So. I, 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 well, now I don't want to be in the group. I only wanted to be in the group if we were going to trip. Oh, man, we do trips sometimes, but yeah, no, no, it's not a drug situation, but yeah, it's got meaning to it, and it's always, that was always my son's, that was the code word that if any, uh, if anybody tried to take him from school out of daycare or out of school without my permission, um, they had to, that person had to give LSD, <laughs> yeah, how funny is that, they had to give LSD as the code to be able to pick him up. So that's what that is. <laughs> Just so you don't think of a drug addict. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Lupe. Steve has a question. And then I think, uh, Katyun, I don't know if I'm saying that pr- correctly. And hopefully you will correct me on the correct pronunciation. But Steve, you go first. <laughs> Thank you for that story. And uh, Sheila, I can't, I can't tell me how many chests I've just watched go up and down, up and down, up and down all day long. I'm like, are they still breathing? Okay, good. <laughs> so I can kind of relate to you guys, and I, I kind of can't. I'm 50-50. When my daughter passed away, she was our only child. But we did eventually have two more sons after that. So I, I remember when, when Allie passed away, it might have been an hour into it, 20 minutes my wife, we looked at each other. We're like, we're never doing this again. No more kids. And it was like a mutual agreed and done. <laughs> and later on, I guess we did, we changed our minds obviously later on, but so part of the, the struggle with, with her is that we were in all these grieving groups and this and that, and we were just talking about grief and bereavement. And she was like, I'm more than just Allie's mom. And I'm struggling to find what my purpose is. Like, I don't want to be just, there's more to me than just Allie's mom. And we were like trying to find our own purpose. And I think that's important too. Um, But we have, eventually what we did is I took up woodworking. I've never picked up a saw in my life. And all of a sudden here I am today, I'm building furniture and stuff. And my wife started crafting. We tried, we tried doing pre-cana counseling for our church just things that would help us and just find who we are because we didn't, we weren't parents. We went from being parents to we're not parents in the blink of an eye. And we just didn't know what to do anymore. Our whole lives at that point, we're just waking up, following Allie around. Did she eat? Did she go to the bathroom? This and that. And we just, now what do you do? So we tried to find purpose with hobbies that we liked and, tried to just find things that, okay, if I do this, I'm not grieving. I'm smiling. It felt good, so I'm going to do it again and again and again, and we just kept doing it. The weird part is, like, that year was probably one of the better versions of myself, I feel like. I feel like I was just a better human, more compassionate, and so forth. But then, yeah, we eventually changed our mind about the children. We have two young boys now. One's two years old and one's about 15 months. Irish twins. Nice. (laughs) We went from we're never doing this again to let's try to get 100 more kids before we possibly can. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that, Steve. 
we have a new person in here. Katayun is, am I pronouncing that right? I'm probably butchering your name. I apologize. Oh, no. Um, can you hear me? I can. Oh, hi. Uh, my name is Katayun. Um, and uh, thank you. Today is a really hard day for me. And I am crawling in my skin and I was watering the plants, laundry, this and that, and um, I grabbed my phone to see what's going on in this planet uh, to distract myself from my grief, and I saw this space, and um, I just wanted to say thank you. I, 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 I didn't even know there is such space that people who, who lost their only child they can talk to each other, and, or at least I can... I'm so sorry. It's just, uh, it was like a miracle to see this group, and, and I just sat because I didn't know what to do. As I'm sure most of you know how it feels those days, I mean, every day. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you... Found. I'm sorry that you needed to find us, but I'm happy that you found us. This chat is not always on this exact topic, but it is always on child loss. And we're here every Thursday at this time. And we, we welcome you back anytime. And I'm so we w- welcome you into um, our community. Um, I don't know. Should I talk about my introduce myself. I'm sorry about my accent and constant crying. Um, I lost my son um, two years, nine months, and uh, 18 days ago. It was right when the COVID hit. And it was exactly um, two months after my divorce was final. So I went through the whole griefing all alone and my parents were back home, my siblings uh, in Canada. And a few months after that, I lost my dad. So it's really difficult, especially because uh, uh, this country is my home. I moved here in the 80s. I was very young. Um, but I'm an immigrant. I feel very lonely uh, because there's so much cultural issues that I have with my own culture. And after losing Ali, he wasn't much my only child, it was my life. Because uh, my marriage was arranged very old school, traditional. I was only 17. And I had him very young. He was uh, like the foundation that the house is built on. Even though he uh, he first was diagnosed as autistic, but I didn't know what autism means. It was so many years ago. It was 32, 33 years. It was like fighting every day to overcome uh, all the obstacles. They said he won't talk. He did talk uh, two languages, English and Farsi, 
dieser Mund Weber Drive. I devoted my whole being in worshiping him and because I, I, I my mom lost uh, and my mom lost my sister I know what a mother goes through and what she did to the rest of us so I knew what losing a child means and uh, now he's gone and I, I, I don't know what to say thank you thank you for letting me speak of course and the guys and I was listening to the guys I'm so sorry that you feel like that, that we can express ourselves and you can't. It, it doesn't matter, mom, that parents are parents, there are children. Don't feel just because you're a man is different. It's not. Love is love. I'm so glad I found you guys. Thank you. I'm glad that you found us also, Katayun, and I'm happy we could be here for you today. Thank you for sharing. Uh, it means a lot to me that you felt comfortable to share, and we're here most Thursdays. Every once in a while, we don't meet on a Thursday, but we're here most weeks. It's a little bit after the hour now, and so we're going to wrap this up. I just want to thank Sheila and Warren both for being here. It was wonderful to have the man's perspective and thank you to all the speakers today. It was just a really amazing conversation and I'm glad that the fellas found each other and I'm glad that we were here for Katayun and some of the rest of you that didn't know about this and uh, thank you for sharing. Lupe, everyone, thank you for being here. Sheila, did you have any last words before we sign off? I I just, my heart goes out to everyone and I just, you know, want to say thanks to you, Melissa. And And I'm just such a believer that this pain is so big and so insatiable right we need spaces like this like we we need to witness each other's pain and hold it right you know what david kessler says in finding meaning right that it's essential that we connect on this sort of you know soul to soul level in this thing that that you know we all unfortunately have in common and I'm, I'm just grateful that you're doing this because I know it's so healing for me, for people here. I know it's healing for you as well, Melissa. And, um, just thanks for, for having this. I'm grateful. Oh, I'm grateful to you also. Thank you everyone for being here. I appreciate it. And thank you, Sheila and Warren for guesting. I appreciate it. Big love to all of you and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more information on the show or my other work, you can check out thisclubsucks.com or melissamariemonroe.com or you can find me on Twitter at Triple M Meaning. May you experience some gentleness on your path today. Oh.